there, punky peeps. I'm your host, Angela Bowen, and I'm welcoming you to another episode of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. Today, I'll be reviewing Punky Brewster Season 1, Episode 17, entitled My Aged Valentine, which aired on February 10th, 1985. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I did. Jeremy and I went to our town's annual taste testing event where local businesses come and we get to try their food. We went the last few years and it was great. This year was no different. I tried the butter chicken from Curry Kitchen, the Insano Dog from Jay Cheesy's, and also the Shenanigans Poutine, which was good too, from Bones End. Alright, well guess what? Four more episodes left, guys, before we begin Season 2 on August 1st, a Tuesday. Before that, I will be doing a Season 1 wrap-up, which consists of my favorite top five episodes from Season 1, favorite moment, saddest moment, funniest moment, etc. Alright, well let's get into this episode today. I will be, like I said, reviewing Season 1, Episode 17, My Age to Valentine. In this episode, after one too many unwanted advances of affection from a boy in class named Conrad, Punky has had enough, especially when he kisses her. Having not consented, she takes it, having not consented, she takes it upon herself to haul off and punch the boy in the face. With her girlfriends, Cherry and Margot, pairing off with their significant others, Punky finds herself alone and imagines a future that spans 80 years into the future. Where she, Henry, and Brandon, as well as Cherry and Alan, are all dressed in horrible old age prosthetics and makeup. Not gonna lie, this is not my favorite episode this season. The episode begins in school in the school hallway with Punky and her friends Cherry, Alan, and Margot, and Margot's lackey love interest Willie. Although more on his end than hers, as more as he is more in love with her than she is with him. The last time we were at school was the parents' night episode, even though they were in school for the Christmas two-part episode, which I haven't covered yet and won't until December for the Christmas holiday episodes. We hear Margot call over Willie Van Flute. Weird name, Van Flute. This chubby, dark, curly-haired, bespectacled boy comes running, and she tells him he may open her locker for her. What? That boy is a fool for love for Margot as he happily obliges her opening her locker. That boy is happy to pick up whatever crumbs of attention Margot throws on the floor for him to pick up. I hope that boy soon realizes he's being taken advantage of, otherwise he'll grow up to find himself in one unrequited relationship after another or constantly in the friend zone. Then, to sweeten the deal, Margot tells him he can carry her books. This gives Cherry the idea to ask Alan the same thing, saying, Alan, does that give you any ideas? And he's like, sure, as he pops his books into her arms, completely missing Cherry's point. Around the corner, we see a young boy by the name of Conrad, played by a young Chad Allen, who had starred in the 90s drama Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. He hangs back, leaning against the wall, looking all too in love. Alan mentions to Punky that Conrad is making eyes at her, and Cherry suggests he might carry her books for her, to which Punky replies she can carry her own books. Speaking of books, where are their book bags? I know they 
Must have them. It's 1985, for crying out loud. He walks over to them more like struts. He offers first her his gum, which he rejects, claiming it's bad for your teeth. Next up, he pulls out a jawbreaker. She tells him it has lint on it. Yeah, not to mention his saliva, I'm sure. Gross. Now desperate, as a last-ditch effort, he pulls out his ghostly ghoul glasses, which look ridiculous, BT-dubs, as he puts them on. He tells her if she wants them, they're hers, and she again shuts him down, telling him to keep them. Cherry excuses them, grabbing Punky by the arm and pulling her aside. She tells her that Conrad wants to be her boyfriend, and she informs Cherry that she doesn't want a boyfriend. Mrs. Morton, their teacher, comes into the hall and tells them not to forget what tomorrow is. And they all shout, crowd around her, shout, Valentine's Day! Really? I don't remember being that excited for Valentine's Day when I was their age. In fact, the exchanging of Valentine's Day cards in class could technically make or break your romantic spirit, depending on how many or how few you got. Just take Ralph Wiggum from The Simpsons, for example. He didn't receive any. It was thanks to Lisa Simpson that he even got one. But it was that one Valentine that sent his heart and appreciation, not to mention leading to his immediate infatuation of her, culminating in the ultimate humiliation of Lisa on TV at the Krusty Anniversary Special. Yeah, love makes you do crazy things. Especially when he says, Yes, she's my girlfriend, and when I grow up, I'm going to marry her, causing Lisa to freak the fuck freak out like crazy and tell him I don't like you I never liked you I only gave you that valentine because nobody else did and then that breaks his poor little heart alright in second grade there was a boy I was crushing or sweet on and I saved a special who framed Roger Rabbit valentine just for him let's just say I'm happy that so called relationship never progressed past third grade Mrs. Morton goes on to say how it's her favorite holiday and to remember to bring a valentine for everyone in the class. After she leaves, Margo tells the group how they can bring an extra special valentine for that special someone they love best. We see Willie looking at Margo saying, Oh, Margo. And Alan says the same thing to Cherry. Oh, Cherry. Punky looks at Conrad, rolling her eyes as she says, Oh, brother. Conrad tells Punky that she's going to get a sweetheart valentine from him tomorrow. She looks at him and says, no, I'm not. He tells her he has something else special for her, and he bends down and kisses her on the cheek, then walks away. Punky rubs at her cheek with a grossed-out expression as Cherry looks and laughs. Punky stops Conrad and tells him she has something special to give him, too. And then we see that she has given him a black eye or what looks like a purple eye as his eye is turning... His eyelid surrounding area is turning purple. Like, that turned purple really fast, especially if that's got to be the same day. Punky comes out of the vice principal's ha office looking unhappy, and she takes a seat next to Conrad, although sits as far away as possible from him on the edge of her chair. Mrs. Morton tells Conrad it's his turn to see the vice principal, and she tells him to be brave. But he tells her he's not scared until he hears the vice principal's booming voice, Conrad! Now we see Henry come in, and Miss Morton starts heavily flirting with him.
telling him how nice he looks in a bow tie and recalling how her late husband used to wear one as, as well as yodeled. And she asks him if he yodels, all the while tightening his bow tie. He tells her not if he can help it. He turns to Punky, asking her if she really blackened a boy's eye. She tells him she didn't mean to. It was an accident, and Henry acts surprised, and she tells him she was just trying to split his lip. But he moved his head. Henry chastises her, telling... Chastises her... Telling her not to get smart with him, and he's very disappointed in her. She explains that he kissed her with his lips, and she makes a gross-out face. I remember when a boy in fourth grade kissed me on the face. He was in fifth grade, and he made me uncomfortable. When I grew up and found out he had been in jail for CSC, I wasn't that surprised, because he always kind of made me nervous and skeeped me out. Yeah, I kind of figured that guy would be a predator later on down the road. Mrs. Morton interrupts them, coming to Punky's aid, or rather, Conrad, saying how he was swept away by the emotion of love with tomorrow being Valentine's Day and all. Then she proceeds to desperately throw herself at him again. I think she should look into some singles dances for the elderly because she needs to quench that desire that seems to take hold of her whenever Henry is near. It's kind of sad, really. He turns to Punky, telling her that even though Conrad had no right to kiss her, if she didn't want him to, that is still no reason to physically assault him. He didn't add that. I added that physically assault part. He tells her she'll have to be punished, and then she gets up and turns back to face him, telling him for the next two weeks... Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. Blah, 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 blah. He tells her she'll have to be punished, and then she gets up and turns back to face Henry, telling him that for the next two weeks, she'll have to clean erasers. Henry tells her that sounds like a fair sentence, as we see Conrad come out of the vice principal's office. He walks over to them and says he's supposed to apologize for what he did, and he says, I'm sorry for what I did. Punky tells him she's sorry for what he did too. Punky, Henry scolds her. She looks at Conrad and tells him he's her friend and a boy, but not her boyfriend. She doesn't want a boyfriend. Conrad rubs gently at his eye, telling her he got the message. Way to be honest, Punky. Let him know how you feel with words, not fists. She asks if his eye hurts, and he tells her only when he tries to focus, and she apologizes for hitting him. Henry uh, congratulates them on solving their differences and asks if they feel better now. And Conrad says he does and looks at Punky, grinning, asking her if she wants to kiss and make up. And that causes Punky to go into a rage as Mrs. Morton holds her back. All right, well, now we're in the kitchen of the apartment. And the girls, Punky, Cherry, and Margo, are making their Valentine's Day cards. Punky places a plate of cookies on the table for them and Cherry shows off her V-Day card her Valentine's Day card to Alan, and it says, To my fuzzy bunny Alan, from your little chipmunk Cherry. Punky asks, Chipmunk? Confused. And Cherry says that Alan's, it's Alan's pet name for her, but she doesn't know why as she giggles, showing her two front teeth. Margo asks them if they'd like to hear her card to Willie, and they both shake their heads and say, No. She says, Well, you're going to anyway. As she reads, Stinkwig... Ugh. 
Stinkweeds are wild, roses are tamer, but the fairest flower of all is your own, Margot Kramer. Ooh, gag me, really? Uh (laughs) Punky and Cherry shake their heads in disgust, and Brandon hides his face below the table. Both Punky and Cherry exclaim, Grosseroo! And Margot looks at them, calling them peasants, and sits back down. Punky has Brandon lick a paper heart for her to stick on her valentine to Henry, and Margot informs her she's not supposed to send her one to her father. Punky asks Margot why. You know, he's someone special, and Margot calls her socially backwards. Poor Punky, so socially backwards. What? Margot, stop being so dang bossy and controlling, please. Margot tells her she has to get a boyfriend, and Punky asks why. Margot tells her so she's already... Punky asks why, and Margot tells her she's already in the third grade, and now's the time to plan for your high school prom. Give me a break, Margot. Prom. Come on. For all you know, those kids in elementary school might move away or change schools when junior high comes around. You're really jumping the gun here, girl. Margo warns that if Punky doesn't get a boyfriend now, she'll have to go with Henry, and Punky points out that the high school prom is ten years away. I'm going to play this clip of Margot explaining to Punky about how she needs to settle down at eight years old. Wow, she'd be graduating in what, 1995? Really, Punky? You're not supposed to send a special Valentine to your father. Why not? He's someone special. Oh, poor socially backward Punky. Don't you realize you've got to get a boyfriend? Why? You're already in the third grade. Now's the time to plan for your high school prom. You don't? You'll end up having to go with Henry. Margo, the high school prom is 10 years away. Yes, and I bet you haven't even picked out your gown yet. Don't you have any plans for the future, Punky? I think I'll just grow up and be an astronaut. But even so, you'll still want a man. Not if there are anything like boys. (laughs) Are you going to get married? I don't know. You don't know? If you don't start making plans right now, you're going to wind up being old and alone. Ooh, old and alone. You'll be stuck in this apartment all by yourself, living your lonely life all alone. I think I'm going to send Ellen to Valentine. Good idea. Punky as a 90s teenager. Now that I'd like to see. Pre-cell phone, internet, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram era, pre-Columbine and 9-11. Do you think that those things would have affected her even more than the Challenger explosion? Granted, by those times, she'd most likely be out of college, Brandon would have passed of old age, and Henry would hopefully still be kicking around 16 years later at 76. I'd love to see a show of Punky and Cherry with her own kids. That'd be cool. I mean, to me anyway. Margot continues by asking Punky if she has any plans for her future, and Punky admits she'll be an astronaut. Margot tells her she'll still need a man, and Punky says, not if they're anything like boys. So back in the 80s, even young girls were taught that the only way to get ahead in life and have a secure future is to have a man. Jeez, Margot, maybe it was a mindset back then, I guess. I like Punky's idea of being being an astronaut. 
Like, the girl is going to be independent and take care of herself. She don't need no man if she doesn't want one. And definitely not at eight. Cherry asks uh, Punky if she plans to get married one day. And Punky shrugs her shoulders saying, I don't know. And Margot jumps in that if she doesn't start making plans now, she'll end up old and alone. Later, we see her lying in bed, and Henry comes in and asks her why her eyes are still open, and she tells him she likes to know where she's sleeping. He tells her just to close her eyes, and sleep will come. After he leaves, Punky looks at Brandon and tells him that as long as she has him and Henry, she'll never be alone. And this is where the long-winded 15-minute dream sequence comes on. Comes in. Alright, I'm going to try to fly through this, because I'm just... I really don't like it. <laughs> we see Henry coming into the living room wearing a bald cap and a mane of hair growing from the lower half of his scalp. They could have made him completely bald or made him, you know, have a comb over. He comes out of the kitchen with a tray of pigs in a blanket and we see Brandon with a curly mane of a beard and spectacles. Yikes. Then he calls to Punky, who comes out with her hair and pigtails and a lot of old age prosthetic makeup, complete with a walking cane and different colored orthopedic shoes. Punky invites Cherry and Alan over for a get-together. Punky and Henry sit down and the doorbell rings. Punky has to really work to get up off the couch and answer the door. She opens the door and we see... Cherry and Alan in old age makeup. Cherry has gotten a lot heavy, er, thanks to the pillows that they probably stuffed under Cherry, the actress's dress, and strapped to her body. Alan looks to be blind and hard of hearing. Punky looks at Cherry, telling her she hasn't changed a bit, and Cherry pats her sides and says, No, I've changed a bunch, making an obvious fat joke. Cherry pulls out an extra crispy drumstick, drumstick from KFC. My favorite. I love Extra Crispy over Original any day of the week. And asks Punky if she wants it. And <laughs> Punky tells her no thanks. And Cherry takes an audible bite as she crunches into it. Alan goes to follow Henry into the kitchen. But the swinging door catches him and sends him flying across the living room. He takes a second to recover. And Henry swings, opens the door for him. And it swings back and hits Alan on the butt as he walks into the kitchen. Henry tells Alan he'll get the, mo the milk if Alan gets the glasses, and Alan points out that he has glasses as he straightens them. It's his ears that are shot. In the living room, Punky offers Cherry some pigs in a blanket. Cherry at first refuses, but then has second thoughts and takes five of them, stuffing one of them into her mouth. The doorbell rings, and who should it be? But Margot, who looks no different than her eight-year-old self, just a gray wig. And she's, of course, dressed to the nines in a Jackie O outfit. Punky looks at her and asks how she managed to stay so young. And Margot tells them that she had Willie become a plastic surgeon. Poor vain Margot. In the kitchen, we see Henry struggling to open the door to the fridge, and when it finally gives way, it slams Henry back into the kitchen counter and in the process squishes Alan, who is standing behind him. Elderly Alan can't catch a break in this alternate universe. Poor guy. Margot beats a quick retreat, and Cherry and Alan follow suit. But not before Cherry mentions how she and Alan are going upstate to visit Betty and her new husband, and Cherry carelessly throws out the line, I'm glad she didn't end up old and alone. 
Punky sits back on the couch, saying at least she still has Henry and Brandon. That is, until there's a knock at the door, and we see Mrs. Morton in a wedding dress. Apparently her and Henry are an item, as Punky looks on shocked. And then they leave. Well, at least she still has Brandon. But oh wait, what do we have here? An elderly female golden retriever at the door, wearing a brown-haired wig. Brandon races over to her and they take off and then we see Punky as she realizes that she did indeed end up old and alone. Punky starts saying or starts saying old and alone, old and alone over and over as the dream dissolves into reality and she yells herself awake. Brandon comes up to comfort her. Henry comes in, turning on the light, asking her what's the matter, and Punky tells him how young he looks, and then explains how she had a terrible dream. Everyone was so old, and he was 140. Surprised, Henry asks, he made it to 140? Punky says yes, but you could hardly see, and Cherry was fat, and Alan couldn't hear a thing, and she was old and gray and wrinkled. It was horrible. I'm going to play this clip as Henry explains her to her the joys and benefits of being elderly. All right, I'll be right back. Punky, are you all right? Henry, you look so young. <laughs> you must be dreaming. Yes, I was, but it was horrible. You're also old. You are 140. I made it to 140. <laughs> yes. You could hardly see. And Cherry was fat and Ellen couldn't hear a thing. And I was old and gray and wrinkled. It was horrible. But it was only a dream. Old age isn't a frightening thing. It can be a wonderful time of life. Look at me. I'm doing pretty well for an old codger, don't you think? That wasn't the terrible part. It was being alone. You're not going to be. I'm here. Oh, sure, now. But what about when I'm 80? Marco says if I don't get a boyfriend now, then I'll end up being old and alone. Margo, has it all mixed up? She has? Of course. There are lots of single people in the world who aren't lonely at all. I'm not married, and I'm far from being lonely. I have lots of friends. Like me and Brandon. Especially you and Brandon. So you see, there's no real need to have a boyfriend unless you want one. Henry, I can jump higher than most boys in my class. I can hit harder, and I can spit farther. What do I need a boy for? <laughs> An unusual yet valid theory. But I have a hunch you may think differently someday. But there's no rush. You see, love is not something you can plan. Then how does it work? It just happens. If you keep your heart open, you make room for someone to come into it. Just as you came into mine. Henry, is it past 12 o'clock? Oh, yes. Way past. Can I ask you one more question? What is it? Will you be my valentine?
All right, punky peeps, that's the end of the episode. I'm giving this one a low rating. That's right, one out of five Brandon Tailwags. One for Punky telling Conrad that he needs to understand that he's just her friend, not her boyfriend, and a lesson for boys to get consent first before kissing a girl. Don't just throw caution to the wind and dive in. And these are why I'm knocking off four Brandon Tailwags. One, for Margot's weird advice on how Punky should have a boyfriend at eight years old in the third grade so she'll be ready for prom in ten years and won't be old and alone. Three, for Punky slugging Conrad, never result to violence to solve a problem. Use your words. He did not assault her. He just didn't get her consent. For the four... Hmm, excuse me. For the atrocious old age makeup, which to me seemed frightening and uncomfortable. Time for Punky's Principles. Again, I'll say with the no means no, ask first. An eight-year-old are too young, that is too young for girls and boys to be thinking about kissing. I don't even want to think about what eight-year-olds today do. Probably they just text each other or Snapchat. You know, I wrote my crush's name on my shoes when I was eight in second grade. I actually wrote, I love so-and-so. My aunt, Debbie, was so livid, telling me I was too young to be thinking about that kind of stuff and how I had ruined my shoes by marking them up like I had. All right, well, here's a review for this episode specifically. Secretly brilliant or horrifying. Spoilers abound. This one came from August... 2nd 2015 so almost two years ago it does say this review may contain spoilers but then again so did the episode i just reviewed for you i never watched punky brewster as a kid i was four when the show came out and just never got into it my mom however loved the show and i have been borrowing her dvds to watch it i felt the need to review this episode and there will be spoilers now, here's the thing. In the last few years, more than before, I have been hearing about rape culture and nothing has brought that message home more than this episode. In this episode, Punky makes it abundantly clear to a boy that is far bigger than her or really any of her classmates that she is not interested in any romantic advances from him. He continues to ignore her and even her friends are like, but a guy likes you. That's the be-all and end-all of life. You should be grateful. A horrifying attitude at any age. Henry at one point says something great. You should be open to meeting someone, but it should be in the course of living your life and doing other things. When the boy whom Punky has made clear to no means no kisses her against her will, she punches him. Doesn't proceed to beat him down or keep pummeling him. She punches him once since he clearly isn't getting the message any other way. We then jump to the vice principal's office where she comes out to find Henry, her guardian, waiting for her. She was punished for t with two weeks' detention. She is told that while what he did was not acceptable, hitting him wasn't the correct response. The show does not state what the correct response is, but the implication is just keep saying no would be acceptable. To my understanding, no has never been as good as a deterrent as fighting back when someone accosts you. The boy comes out of the VP's office and we get to find out his punishment. Will it be two weeks as well? A month expulsion for treating girls like they are his, 
his to play with, like toys? Nope, he has to apologize and that's it. He apologizes and she begrudgingly accepts his apology to which he rapidly smirks and responds, Great, let's kiss and make up. This was either supposed to be adorable because they are eight and the writer is seriously touched in the head, or the writer is brilliant and gave an example of how rapists start. I am giving this a 5 out of 10 because it really could be either way. I desperately hope for the latter. My daughter knows how to fight and has been told if someone accosts you and touches you without your permission, then hitting them is absolutely the right action. No one would ever tell a boy in any seriousness fighting is not the answer to being attacked. I worry how many girls saw this episode and thought, okay, so if I keep saying no while he is forcing himself on me, but I don't punch him, then after I give birth to his baby, I can get an apology for him ruining my life and a congratulations on handling it correctly. You know why rape is a hard topic to tackle? Because it's really not. The after effects are a hard topic to handle. Teaching kids to defend their bodies before the attack is not. Alright, time for punky peeps around the world. Now, I can't really pronounce this. Racine, R-A-C-I-N-E, Wisconsin, Muskegon, Michigan, Ashburn, Virginia, Decatur, Georgia, Newburyport, Massachusetts, Jakarta, Indonesia. Alright. Next Wednesday, I will be covering what I think is one of the most heartbreaking episodes of the show, or at least for Season 1. Season 1, Episode 18, I Love You, Brandon, which aired on February 17th, 1985. This one's a tearjerker, so don't be surprised if I choke up while talking about it. I want to give you all a sincere thank you. All you listeners out there, whether you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other listening platforms that you may use to hear this podcast. I love giving you the episode recaps of Punky Brewster every week, joining me as I go into full detail describing her many adventures and shenanigans with Henry, Brandon, and her friends, as well as my occasional running commentary and childhood stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes so you won't miss an episode. The more rates and reviews this podcast gets, the easier it is for other people to see that it's out there. So tell your family and friends. This is a family-friendly podcast to be listened to by all. Also, check my social media sites, which you can access using the links on my SoundCloud account, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. Throughout the week, um, Mondays, I post... Listener and episode trivia questions for upcoming episodes on my social media sites. If you'd like to become an honorary Punky Peep of the Week, all you gotta do, you get a shout out on the podcast, you just gotta answer the questions. As well as, you'll also have a special congratulations post on all of my Punky Power social media platforms. So, go to SoundCloud and you will find... That list of links. And I also have the Gmail account, which should be on there, is punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com. For you to just say what Punky Brewster means to you if you watched it as a child. Maybe you've even introduced your own child to it. Or just for anything Punky related as well, for as praise for this podcast. Well, until next time, Punky peeps, have a great week, and let your Punky power shine on. Goodbye!